0: Hello everyone. I am Alicia Homerick and this is a special podcast publication. On September 1st, we released an episode in Spanish. Today we are re-releasing a transcribed English variation of that podcast. A special thanks to those serving as voice actors here today, and we do apologize for any mispronunciations. So let's jump in. Hello, good morning to the audience. Welcome to the Future Cities podcast. Greetings to the Urban Resilience to Extreme Sustainability Research Network and the Natura Network. Many thanks to Alicia Helmrich at the University of Georgia College of Engineering. I am Antonita Pregrina, Master in Urban Planning, Sustainability, and Climate Change. I am part of the Urban Informality Thematic Working Group for the Investigation of the Informality and the Development of Appropriate Mechanisms for the Implementation of Nature-Based Solutions, also referred to as NBS. We are with Devon Lopez and Carlos Agudelo. Welcome.
1: Hello, good morning Antonieta, Carlos, and the audience. Um, I also thank the Future Cities Podcast for the opportunity to have this conversation with, with the audience. My name is Duván López, I am a geologist, a specialist in environment and risk management, and a doctoral student in sustainability leading for the Nature Network, the thematic working group on urban informality and innovation for resilient futures. It's a pleasure to join you today.
2: Hello, Antonieta and Duván, first of all, and the entire audience. My name is Carlos Agudelo. I'm an architect, master in planning and administration of regional development. For some years I've been directing two academic programs at Universidad de La Salle, an undergraduate degree in urban planning and a master's degree in territorial planning and management. I appreciate the space to be able to share with you today.
0: Let's get to the subject of this episode. The local labs are conceived to concentrate research and implementation efforts in spaces of urban conflict that demand the implementation of nature based solutions. On the other hand, they are also innovation spaces that are conceived broadly as research missions to engage academics and practitioners and develop innovative solutions to nature based solutions challenges in urban informal contexts. Let's listen to Jordi Murado's vision. He is a coordinator of the UNESCO Chair on Sustainability at the Polytechnic University of Catalonia. We ask, what is the relevance of all this networking around Natura to promote nature-based solutions?
3: The Natura Network is a network of networks that brings together the main professionals working today, worldwide on solutions based around nature. It is an international network and therefore offers the richness of being able to share experiences, cases, and good practices from within parts of the world. It is, without a doubt, a really important part of this network. Second, it is a network that makes it possible to address nature-based issues and solutions at the regional level, connecting different groups within the various regions worldwide. It is critical to emphasize the importance of having these spaces connecting experts from different parts of the world in order to be able to adapt experiences, both technological and socio-environmental intervention, and to be able to really learn from these experiences while taking into account the context. In this sense, the nature of project constitutes as a space to coordinate the north-to-south, south-north transference. It is, without a doubt, a space that facilitates these knowledge transfers.
0: Many thanks for this contribution. Carlos, Devon, is there anything you would like to add?
1: Yes, uh, i I would like to amplify what Jordy just mentioned. Um, A lot is said concerning the north to south transference, especially technology and financial transference. But little has been said on the transfer south to north. And it's an issue that is relevant to the work of our thematic group. In this regard, it's important to add that with the climate crisis and migration crisis, the problems of the global south, poverty, inequality, injustice, those problems are increasingly affecting the North. Uh, Many of these problems that let's say were not perceptible in the global South have been making a presence. We see the consolidation of ghettos, even informal belts in cities of the global North. So the organizational work efforts in these contexts of the South begin to generate lessons learned, work methodologies, work approaches, that are also useful for solving Northern problems.
0: Okay, I also believe that in the end, the perspective of North to South has to be systemic. In the end, we know that climate issues bring a global affection throughout the planet. So from this perspective, collaboration and strengthening these networks is very important. Carlos, what are your thoughts?
2: In relation to the development of knowledge on nature-based solutions, I would dare to say that in the global South and particularly in Latin America, where we are, we are now venturing into this issue strongly from the academy. I would say that in some other contexts, in Northern countries, they've been working on this for a little longer. This knowledge has been put into practice in the face of real problems in specific contexts. So I think that in line with everything we're mentioning, this collaboration is important.
0: Okay, and I think we could delve deeper to know what the urban informality thematic working group consists of and where this research focus came from. Devon, could you tell us a bit more about it?
1: This initiative arose somehow from an experience in Bogota, where I have been working since 2010, through different problems of environmental conflicts linked to risk in informal contexts. I began to find a very strong correlation between environmental conflicts and the generation of dangers linked to climatic dynamics and the contexts of poverty in the city. This strong correlation between these two dynamics, poverty and risk, was outside the analytical models. So to understand a little more how these dynamics are correlated in the urban space and to propose substantive solutions to these problems, we made a strategic alliance and organizational space for communities in Bogota. Araigo, or the platform of people affected by risk and relocation for the population, the contradictions between the way of understanding the risk and the way of understanding the solutions were prioritized to be escalated and posed as a case of analysis in the context of the academy. Initially in the Eurex network, we posted some documentation and carried discussions around this topic. Then later in the Nature network, we focused on the implementation of NBS around this differential context where the logics of implementation face myriad challenges that are worth delving into. By this way, a study group was envisioned and from that emerged the thematic working group on innovation for resilient futures. Three axes of analysis were established. First of all, uh, the understanding of the dynamics of environmental conflict in the context of informality. Second, complementing these dynamics with the implementation of nature-based solutions, along with all the challenges that result from these contexts. Third, a long-term look at governance logics. Um, Here, there was an initial hypothesis. The possibility of giving the sustainability to NBS, or nature-based solutions, In these contexts, passed through a broader framing to dynamize an integrated exercise of governance in the urban space, including informal and formal actors with the support of the academy. It is a consensus exercise of all these parties to build a common process of transformation and lessen the dynamics of environmental conflict. To the extent that we had started with the exercise in Bogota around these conflicting sites, we've proposed that this targeting around analysis sites be taken at a global level.
0: We have experience and tools developed to analyze the subject. This has generated a series of lessons for us. So Carlos, would you like to share with us about the learning that has resulted along this process of interaction with international networks around the thematic working group on urban informality from the perspective of the university?
2: Thank you very much. I would first refer to the university beyond LaSalle, but the educational institutions and universities in general. I always like to emphasize that the university is a very relevant social actor with substantive functions throughout its history, especially in our times. There are some functions that the university fulfills. First, train people to contribute to society. The second, to investigate or produce knowledge around the various problems that are currently present in the world. And something that has also been strengthened is the concrete impact that the university must generate into the real world. Universities are not just discussing and producing knowledge, locked up, encapsulated. They're institutions that turn into the context, add value, and generate specific contributions that influence these realities in some way. We're institutions that want to contribute new perspectives in the face of increasingly complex problems. And we want to provoke some reflections on this path of the holistic, or the interdisciplinary. That is the route we need to take in order to be able to better solve these problems, connecting different disciplines and areas of knowledge to arrive beyond partial solutions, but with much more effective comprehensive solutions. Ultimately, the university also has a very interesting connotation. It's a fairly neutral actor, an actor who does not base his position on particular interests from the political or ideological level, but based on science and knowledge. Furthermore, professors are no longer only dedicated to imparting knowledge in a classroom, but they're also very strongly dedicated to research, producing new knowledge to solve specific problems in our society. We're talking about experts who have a social responsibility. This is an essential element that's talked about a lot these days, the social projection of the academy, the impact of reaching society with some contributions. In this sense, turning back to NBS, that is a very rich and fertile field. I believe with an immense potential to transform the urban landscape and the reality of communities with a solution as its name indicates, with concrete and tangible contributions adjusted to the context. Going back into the question, in line with this framework that I'm giving, our university is summing learnings with the Natura network across the thematic working group and other interactions. We can broaden our view of NBS, understand their real dimension, and also understand how they can be applied. We are interacting with professionals from different institutions and a network of networks, as you already mentioned, connected with many actors at a global level. That interaction, that conversation, that exchange of knowledge is for us one of the greatest lessons learned. On the other hand, we understand that the problems that affect our contexts are not only ours, but are global. We're talking about situations that we see in our contexts, but that are repeated or presented in very similar ways in other parts of the world. So the way in which these problems are understood and addressed in those contexts is very interesting for us to know. Finally, I also think that there's an issue that draws a lot of attention in relation to networking. It is the knowledge of these experiences where there are very different social actors who are facing these situations of risk, disaster, or basic needs and we must work to further understand and respect them.
0: Okay, the issues of considering NBS as a communication tool nurturing our network seems very important. There is the social part, the cultural part, the ecological or climatic part, which is a challenge that we are all experiencing in different ways, but this can be a tool. And of course the universities are these places where we can concentrate information and convene all the actors of this great challenge. So, we would also like to hear the testimony of our colleague, Carlos Sabagal, who is a landscape architect at LaSalle University, assistant professor at the Faculty of Architecture, Design and Urbanism, and is part of the Laboratory for Landscape and Territory.
4: I believe that in the current situation, social and environmental vulnerabilities make society begin to explore transversal and effective responses. I have a friend, Carlos Nader, who has spent a lot of time exploring the design of new structures and new forms of structural development. He always says, nature did it before and did it better. There's nothing more accurate than this sentence for me. NBSR today providing ways to recognize the processes that occur in nature, learn from them, and find a way to replicate them to solve problems that we ourselves have generated throughout the thousands and thousands of years by exploitation and subjugation of nature. There are basic aspects, such as the hydrological cycle, which seems elementary in basic education, and seems extremely simple, but it is very distant from our urban dynamics. Understanding this cycle, for example, opens up endless possibilities for intervention. Understanding how the water moves when it reaches the Earth's surface after condensing in the atmosphere. In fact, it is from this recognition that innovative models have emerged. I evoke the sustainable urban drainage systems or the concept of sponge cities under implementation in many cities in china and many other concepts working this way all these processes are simple and at the same time complex in their implementation they mean a change of mentality in the traditional urban development processes but at the same time they are very simple in their operation and conception we are not talking about the possibility of generating new solutions through nature-based solutions. In reality, what we have is a responsibility, a duty to advance an ecologically effective, socially inclusive and economically viable responses with a view to our future as a human society. However, the issue of urban informality has very particular conditions within the urban landscape. Normally people who do not have resources end up looking for spaces where to live and these spaces are normally located on the outskirts under very complex conditions for urban development, whether due to steep relief or landslide risks, flood-prone areas or areas with difficult accessibility, or even lack of basic services, among many other problems. In these contexts, NBS opens up possibilities to generate better conditions. They are solutions economically more efficient or imply minor investments. They can convene communities to participate in the process, thus generating greater social cohesion, sense of ownership, and territorialization processes. In summary, NBS have the potential to strengthen ecological processes, increase biodiversity within the city, promote ecological connectivity, contribute to food security, and generate family incomes, among many other benefits. The urban processes in the informal development areas of Bogota are approached from different institutional perspectives. In many cases, risk management agencies are those responding to imminent problems of landslides or floods with measures like relocation. This response in turn generates several problems for communities, such as uprooting, breaking the social fabric, and place attachment. The density of relocation areas used to be the creation of public spaces, but many of these projects have not taken into account the ecological processes of the place, which is why NBS should become the first tool that a designer or planner must incorporate.
0: Carlos Duván, would either of you like to add something to this very valuable comment made by our colleague?
1: I welcome this great contribution, very valuable uh, Sabagal has gone into some points that I would like to remark on. First of all, the issue of informality that I would understand as maladaption of the urban form. Second, he claims that NBS, beyond an interesting possibility, becomes an obligation. And that's true. We're talking beyond interesting possibilities in a research area with lots of projection. We're talking about an ethical problem as well one where the solution path has already been traced by nature. And we have the duty to advance in the understanding of these logics, to adapt our urban forms to these natural processes, and so not to clash and enter into conflict with them. If we optimize the urban processes this way, then we prevent the dramas that these conflicts imply, the institutional cost, the budgetary waste that these conflicts imply, and of course, human suffering. We're talking about problems such as risk linked to climatic dynamics in conflict with the logic of occupation what we need is solutions to understand these patterns of nature and to tune the urban in the urban environment into those patterns to harmonize our urban form in this way our intervention in, in informality makes a lot of sense this is precisely where the urban form is under question today this is what we've proposed addressing through the local labs
3: Okay,
0: we are facing this challenge as humanity. The demographic explosion in recent decades has been exponential, increasing informality. There are many challenges that we have in many cities, especially in Latin America and in the global south, which we need to confront and which we also need to take on. It seems so basic, yet we don't understand the water cycle. We have opportunities to integrate it into the public space, turning it back to a more sustainable, but also democratic space with social justice, where everybody can enjoy the benefits of the ecosystem. So NBS is a great solution path for urban planning. Carlos, do you want to comment?
2: Yes. I'd also like to add on to the contribution that Professor Sabogal gave us. There's one element that is also of particular importance to me. I'm referring to the issue of the possibility that nature-based solutions provide the communities that reside in these settlements of informal origin. In particular, the way NBS addresses the problems. It's different from the traditional one, isn't it? I'm talking about a logic that interrogates the very basic urban issues, such as materiality and techniques to intervene in the territory, and also gives space to incorporate knowledge stocks. I'm talking about community knowledge or even traditional techniques from ancient cultures. I believe there is an extremely interesting field of reflection at a social, environmental, and ecological level, and in financial terms. NBS inaugurates more possibilities to make things happen in these contexts of informality. Ultimately, I believe that this alternativeness expands the options to intervene in informal communities. This allows these communities to generate a concrete contribution. We're talking about unconventional materials that they can get by themselves, that they can handle, so they can turn to play an active role to benefit their context, whether recovering a ravine or reinforcing a slope under conditions of risk. I think that is very important and very powerful. Ultimately, I think it is something that for me is fundamental, that the population can get more involved in what I'm mentioning. Let them feel like part of the process so that they can affirm, well, I did it. I was there. I helped. I contributed. By extension, they would say, I take care of it because I did it. It's like an organic consequence, the social appropriation of this type of intervention. And here we are in front of an emerging quality. Then we can come together with the public sector, private sector, and academics to reinforce them. But I would insist on enhancing the appropriation of these communities in these territories.
0: You are right, Carlos. For example, in Mexico, speaking about water and the hydrological and hydraulic management of a city, we have those chinampas at Xochimico. What is ancestral knowledge? And to consider this ancient tradition as an available knowledge from our history, from our place, from the culture of our people. So taking up this knowledge and integrating it and also being part of this whole process of reclaiming our cities, making them healthier, more habitable, and safer is also part of cultural strengthening. Well, what is going on in the community? To talk a little bit more about this, Duvon, could you share the message from the community and the people who participate in this process?
1: Sure, Antonieta and Carlos. As we've talked about this work of the local labs and the thematic working group on urban informality and innovation for resilient futures, we have interacted in Bogota with the platform Araigo a platform of population affected by risk and resettlement. Through this organization, we have worked with three areas of the city that I took the opportunity to greet. The communities of the Minitas in Cuidad Bolivar, the community of Bologna in the Santa Librada Creek, the district of Uzme, and the community of San Cristobal, sector of Amapolas. In these local settings, we've raised two research questions to find out their opinion. The first one is, what is the potential of these collaborations between international networks, universities, and communities? And the second question is, what is missing for the innovations, the NBS, the investments to accelerate this type of project in the informal neighborhoods of Bogota? So first, we're gonna listen to the answers from Yeni in Bologna Usme. Yeni is a cultural and environmental leader of Usme, an artistic coach for the children and youth dance groups. Last year, student of dramatic arts at Universidad Distrital de, de Bogotá. Welcome, Yeni. Thank you very much for joining us. What is your opinion on international collaborations?
5: The importance of these collaborations between international networks is that they provide us with more open panoramas of what has been done abroad, in other spaces, and in other scenarios. This is important because universities bring together all these works enacted by other communities with similarities to what is being experienced here. For example, works with orchards or with cultural or artistic dynamics that enhances for us a broader view of what is useful and how it works. Let us say that these international agreements also enable us to showcase our work and in that way provide an example for others who are studying. This is how networks expand internationally, in projects, in ideas, in negotiations, in possibilities to strengthen not only our work in communities but also the academic work at the universities. What is missing is a recognition of what is already being done in the communities. In other words, further processes are being carried out, leaders are being already going through, and the communities are already mobilizing through these projects. Without that recognition of what is already in the territory, there is no possibility for us. And without that knowledge, the entire society is missing innovations that already work in our context. Why do I say that? Because indeed, there is a lot of innovation everywhere and a lot of technological progress, but sometimes not all technological advance is well-oriented in those specific needs of every single territory. For innovations to arrive, it is necessary to recognize the work being carried out within the community. And if they are not, you have to mobilize those communities so that they begin to think by themselves What are needs that exist but are not recognized? The point is that solutions sometimes don't let people think for themselves before of moving ahead.
1: On behalf of Bolivar, we have Michael Ramirez, a fellow with a leadership trajectory around community culture, gardening, and the integration of community gardens in environmental and cultural corridors in the town. He promotes the so-called Agroecologic Network of the South and the cultural network titled Manitas. Let's listen to what he has to say.
6: The lack of neighborhood planning, the popular and community logic, in addition to the accumulation of vulnerable communities derived from segregation due to internal conflict, has deepened the socio-environmental crisis and the indifference and reluctance of the communities to participate. Urban sprawl, densification, and gentrification are evident so naturally in everyday life. Locating native ecosystems is a constant reinterpretation of land value and assumed private property, which articulates illegal and legal actors in the explicit usufruct of the conurbation, ignoring the morphological conditions of the land and precarious provision of the minimum subsistence public services. the communities that intervene with subnormal settlements and later buildings. Emitting technical concepts that can contextualize the risks that communities face by inhabiting these territories in this way requires professional argumentation and strategic solutions based on the community participation, faculty, and international networks that can replicate from their experiences and thus exhort the public authorities to consider the NBS to be carried out. In addition to prioritizing research scenarios for preventative mitigation of possible situations and study of the phenomena that are revealed, being able to contrast transversal elements and act in a timely manner and in a coordinated manner dignifies, in any case, the right to inhabit, coexist, and subsist in our territory. In this way, we understand that the potential that exists in this articulation is strategic and necessary for the communities of our inhabited territories.
1: Antonieta and Carlos, these are the testimonies we have collected for this program. I'll leave it there on the table.
6: All right, I think the participation
0: and the different perspectives of each one up to here is very good. In the end, we all have something to contribute and gain. This is the issue of networks, of how we are building local, regional, and global interrelations. This whole interaction between the community and global actors or global networks becomes this nutritious network, which creates benefits and generates climate resilience. Carlos, you seem to have some appreciation for the community participation.
2: I'll make it simple by highlighting a couple of issues that caught my attention from the testimonies of Yeni and Michael. It is simply to emphasize the issue of recognition. For the actions that the communities have developed in their territory. That is a basis to advance towards a logic of participation in these processes. My other point is the emphasis on preconditions for participation and consultation. It was what Michael recalled, not only for the conception of this type of project, but in its execution. He mentioned something that I consider absolutely essential. That is the building of trust, which is something that is not easy to achieve which is the result of a slow long-term process, which I think in that sense, Duvan has advanced for so many years, thanks to that there is trust, it's credibility and desire to work to go forward in these processes. That construction of trust has to be given, not only in this framework of technicians towards the communities, I mean, at the technical or professional levels, but also at the public sector. I believe this is one of the areas where there are more barriers and difficulties. This is a historical debt that they owe. Perhaps many administrations face communities in terms of support, backing, social projects, and accompanying initiatives that they themselves propose. Well, it's an element that is not minor and that ultimately we must work on. I think in this team, that is something we're looking for. Try to bring these processes closer to the public entities that have to do with them, little by little, right? but ultimately it is a need we also have in this type of project to have the support and even financial leverage ideas and technical contributions from the institutions. So those were a couple of things I wanted to mention.
0: To conclude the episode, we can close with the takeaways for the audience. Carlos Duvon, let's move on to this closing part of the episode, do you think?
1: Well, I was already thinking about the closing ideas too, but Carlos, uh, you're in a moment of inspiration, go ahead
2: based on all this discussion, I've raised some elements for final reflections in terms of, for example, the challenges that exist for research on these issues within the framework of urban informality in our cities. Perhaps I'd like to mention an element that I call lowering knowledge a little. The term is to ground a little all these reflections, which are technical, very deep and have a high degree of complexity. It is to see how we can make them a little simpler. And in that sense, facilitate their appropriation by the general public and by society. I feel that many times at the university, we scientists are left discussing these issues at levels that hardly land into the real to be understood and applied. We must put into practice to solve these highly complex problems. Issues that in the logic of informality or any type of process are crossed by social, economic, environmental and social cultural variables. So I think that's one of these important tasks. The other is to enhance participatory processes. A lot has already been mentioned. Here we have an agreement around this. This great idea of consolidating governance processes by convening widely the social actors, public, private, scholars, and communities. We always mention it when we go to the communities or talk with actors who are interested in joining us in this exercise, the idea of getting together. Getting many there together from a myriad of perspectives and sectors to think of new ways for approaching these ideas, ways that have a very rigorous, formal, technical, scientific component, but that must also be fed by other knowledges in the plural, knowledges that can be very fruitful to achieve sustainable intervention. I would leave that here in concern to the myriad challenges that we face from the academy and as a society to intervene in these processes. Good.
0: Devon. do you want to continue with this
2: closure?
1: Of course, Antonieta. In the same line with Professor Carlos, definitely a message that we can leave vibrating around in this episode is how the environmental conflicts in the urban informality keep profound association with very large inertias, with structural phenomena of society that are intertwined coming from the historical background. All this concentration of poverty in specific geographic spaces, even misery is a cause of conflict and also a consequence of physical expression in the urban landscape and even on a human scale. Risk is linked to family dramas and personal dramas of these populations. Everything compounds the conflict in concrete spaces and it manifests itself that way. So for these problems in principle, I greatly highlight from the Natura Network the access we have had to a substantial number of solutions, consistent methodologies, and developments being carried out through the expertise and leadership of top universities in Europe and in the United States. Then some questions are how to import such qualified resources, how to apply those solutions to the problems recognized here in the case of Bogota. Then what are the obstacles that prevent the development of initiatives of this type that prevent the solutions of problems whose solutions would already have some outputs? Why do those outlets seem that sometimes they can't deliver? I wonder about the inertia of these problems that, from my point of view, revert to an organizational nature. I believe that the technological capital is sufficiently advanced with multiple possibilities to solve problems linked to climatic dynamics, but there are enormous organizational barriers in our cities of the global south. I would put in the first place the administrative ones. The environmental conflicts we study are linked to administrative problems that concern public institutions and their limited ability to exercise government, to exercise comprehensive governance over these landscapes. As Professor Sabagal has pointed out, there are basic natural dynamics that we do not understand and have not internalized within our administrative systems. On the other hand, there is also inertia linked to organizational barriers in communities. Uh, Mysal expressed quite well that in communities, there's reluctance and indifference. These conditions are the perfect breeding ground for environmental degradation. So I trust in the possibility of generating organizational processes between the institutions and the community. Well, the university has a role to play here. These global networks have the possibility to add and generate those meeting spaces where these organizational processes could advance qualitatively and begin to consolidate advances. That could be an illustrative impulse to introduce the innovations we need to build resilient futures.
0: Totally agree. And also, this issue of having this information in this panorama, qualitative, quantitative, this serves us as a tool to understand the success of a model that can be replicated and useful in other places, different spaces sharing similar realities. In the end, returning to this topic, which is global, the climate contingents that we are facing in different ways through floods, fires, all these challenges we have in common as humanity. And this is exactly what we have been working on. These laboratories have served to build an approaching methodology, a strategic analysis, a toolbox developed that can serve to cope with urban informality, which can help us to develop climate resilience, both in the communities and at a self-organizational level. This can generate these bases for a governance approach to solve these problems, not only in Latin America, but in the global South in general. Carlos, Devon, Thank you very much to all the participants, to the people of the community and those following along in the episode. Thank you again to the Future Cities podcast and the podcast team as well. We appreciate being able to talk about these issues and hope to continue enhancing this with the audience that has joined us. Thank you very much and until next time. The Future Cities podcast is an outreach effort brought to you by Natura-based solutions for urban resilience in the Anthropocene, or Natura. To learn more, please visit www.natura-net.org. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at futurecitiespodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at futurecitiespod. If you enjoyed the episode, Please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.